Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Here's a radio message. We were talking about Bradley. Please, will you just listen for a change? Come on, let's hear it. I just want to hear Bradley tonight. Bradley J. J. Talking. WBZ News Radio 1030. Nick of the Woods here. There's lots of stuff to do, and a lot of the stuff that's here to do we don't even know about. So I'm going to try to rectify that to some degree. Diana Lauren is here, curator of North American Archaeology at Harvard University's Peabody Museum of Archaeology and Ethnology and director of academic partnerships for the Peabody Museum. We're going to talk about the Peabody Museum. Hi, Diana. Hi. Thanks for having me here tonight. So first it's just kind of an essay essay question. Tell me about the museum. Oh, okay. So Harvard's Peabody Museum was established in 1866. It's the oldest museum of archaeology ethnology in the Western Hemisphere. And the collection was one that was built for Harvard and the study of anthropology at Harvard. So do you know what the study of anthropology is about? Well, yeah. I mean, you study? probably have a better definition than I huh? do. Maybe. Go ahead. Go ahead. So, <laughs> it's the study of people, past and present, and um, indigenous peoples from around the world. So the museum has collections related to peoples from around the world throughout time. How about ethnology? What is ethnology? Ethnology is a study of living peoples. And oh. archaeology is actually excavation in the ground. So All people right. in the past. What about anthropology? How is that different from anthropology, ethnology? So anthropology is a broader umbrella for the subdisciplines of archaeology, ethnology, linguistics, okay. and physical anthropology. Now, that's a uh, mouthful. You also teach a course in, well, you have a dig right on the grounds there. We do. We just finished up our fall season. We excavate in Harvard Yard looking at the earliest years of Harvard's establishment, so from the 17th century. And what do you call that course? What's the official name of it? It is Anthropology 1130, Archaeology of Harvard 1. And in the spring, we do Anthropology 1131, Archaeology of Harvard Yard 2. So you dig in Harvard Yard? Yes. Every South other my year? Colleague. Yep. Every right. other year, we dig right in the center of the yard. So if you're standing with your back to the John Harvard statue, yep. can you imagine yourself there? Oh, yes. If you look to your um, northwest... That's where the excavation is. That's actually the oldest part of campus. Okay, let's talk about the course, and then let's talk mm -hmm. about the Peabody Museum, sure. and then let's talk about the other three museums that you can access if you get a membership to the I, Peabody Museum. I hope you do, yeah. So what is the purpose of the course? Is it to find stuff, or is it to teach kids how to find stuff, or is it, <laughs> you know, what is the purpose of it? So it is a course about learning how to excavate. And so they are funding stuff in the process of the course. So it really teaches them about the practice of archaeology, how to excavate in the ground at an archaeological site, find and identify artifacts, and record that information. As a topic, what they're learning about are the earliest years of Harvard's history, back when the 
college was established in 1636. And then we are excavating at one of the first four buildings that was part of Harvard's campus. So you're just ex excavating in Harvard Yard. Rich history, probably a lot of stuff. but Super rich history. It's only a limited space. If you, We're never going to run out of space. You're never going to run out of space. <laughs> no. Okay. Yeah. Because and we're not digging, you know, we're digging in small sections at a time and we're moving from section to section every other year. So it takes a long, long time to cover a little tiny section. It, it sure does. So how big an area gets excavated each semester? So 10 feet by 10 feet or? Less than 20, that. Really? So, yeah, we, this year it was about nine feet by 12 feet is the, what? How do you choose where you dig? Do you have any thoughts about we, that might be stuff down there because, or is it just random? We use a divining rod. No, I'm kidding. We um, go back and look at the archives of the earliest part of the college. And from there, we have a sense of what was there architecturally. There are no maps or drawings of early Harvard's campus. So we base our information on what we read in archives previous excavations in the yard. So there was a series of excavations conducted in the 1980s that located some earlier structures. And then we've also done ground penetrating radar in the area. Oh, wow. To look for subsurface deposits. So what was in, Har what, was in what is now Harvard Yard? Right. So if you think back to a 1655 campus, what that would have looked like, you'd be walking along the cow path or what was then Massachusetts Avenue, and you would come across four buildings, which comprised the college. Four, four buildings, okay. Four buildings, and yeah. they were called, each building was called a college. So it's a little, it's based on the English system, English education system, where each building is a college, but it's really just Harvard College, and there's four buildings. There's two domestic structures, Goff and Paintree, so two just regular houses, that the college buys when it's established from existing landowners. And then it builds the old college building, which is a wooden frame structure covered by a very elaborate um, red clay roof. And then in 1655, it builds the Indian College, which was a, the, one of the first structures in New England. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about the Indian College. I'm interested mm -hmm. in that. Yeah, so I can talk a little bit about Harvard's history. So Harvard's established. And very soon after it's established, within the first two decades, it goes bankrupt. And so Harvard looks to keep the college going and applies for funds to, to the English Society for the Propagation of the Gospel in New England. So a Puritan organization in England, which does the work of proselytizing and spreading the Christian faith in the New World, so part of colonization. They get money from the, the society and the society says, this is great, keep going, doing your work, but you're not only dedicated to educating English students, but also Native American students. So Native Americans could go? Yep. And did they go for free? Yep. Does that carry forward today? Yep. I, I want to ask how Native American you have to be, but I, I won't. That is pretty interesting. Yeah, it is pretty interesting. Do, do Native American students take advantage of that oh absolutely we have the harvard university native american program on campus which works with students and goes out and brings students to the college and we have 
there are plenty of native students all throughout the college at Harvard. We are focusing now on the digs that you do in this course. You dig in Harvard Yard. A mm -hmm. little bit every other semester. Every other year. Every other year. Sorry. And I'm curious about some of the things you find down there and what it tells you about life at Colonial Harvard. Mm -hmm. You, uh, let's see. I saw on your website there's an ancient cheese knife. Are you familiar with that? Ancient cheese knife. I saw it on the website. Oh, as part of the collection? I guess so. Yes. It's made out of bone? Yep. So we do find... How do you know it's a cheese knife? <laughs> it's a knife, likely used for cheese. So we know about the diet of the students yeah. from the archives, but we also know about what they were eating and what they were using to eat from the archaeology. So all of that material is left behind. They're living in these four houses in the 17th century, and there's no organized trash removal, right? They just throw it out the back door. Yeah, they're throwing it out the back door. Kitchen middens. Yes, kitchen middens. So if you can imagine, it must have smelled to high heaven mm -hmm. because they're throwing out animal waste, right? all kinds but of waste. But then everything smelled to high heaven then. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> there's um, also, uh, let's see, a, there are a lot of pipes. Everyone smoked pipes, I guess, Everybody's even smoked. at an early age. Yes. And all kinds of pipes. Yep. There's a P.E. or Philip Edwards pipe. So he was a English producer of pipes in the 17th and early 18th century. Pipes came to North America, and they're really common. They're almost disposable. You know, they're, they're produced in England. Clay? Clay, white clay. Um, sometimes red clay that are produced here in North America. But the majority of what we find are white clay pipes. And we find, we rarely find a whole pipe. We find mostly broken pieces. Uh -huh. And we find them all over the place. And what's interesting is of, of the colonial sites I've seen or worked on, this has such a high number of pipes that it's almost surprising. Because in the 17th century, pipe smoking is prohibited by the college. So the college laws, much as you would have any college rules now. So those wild kids were smoking pipes? They were smoking and drinking, and that's definitely something that students today can relate to, students of the past. Uh, that's a connection that modern students have with their ancestors. Yeah. Another kind of pipe that's really interesting to me, and I kind of want to get one, is a pipe. It looks like it's made from white clay. Mm -hmm. It is a long stem, maybe a foot that curves, and then the bowl is so narrow. The bowl is maybe two inches long or even three inches long, but so narrow that the diameter of the bowl is just about the same as the diameter of the stem. And it looks like you have to pack little bits of tobacco way, way, way down. The diameter of the bowl, the inside diameter of the bowl is probably only as wide as a pencil. Yeah, no, it, they're really pipes Which in is the weird. 17th century. The bowls themselves are really small. And then the stems are really long. And as you know, pipe styles evolve and fashions evolve over time, pipes change. And today we have a kind of a, if you're smoking tobacco, a big pipe with a curved yeah. stem. But That's you, much more recent yeah. thing. But if you look in the 17th century, they have these really long pipe stems, tiny bowls, and they're often packing them and lighting them upside down. Oh, so, so Really? Yeah. So you So what they're doing is jamming it in so tight it doesn't fall out if it's upside Pretty down. Pretty much, yeah. And you light it upside down, obviously, because heat, you know, it's, your flame goes up. Right. What do you call those 
pipes that I like, the little tiny bowls. Those little kaolin pipes. Kaolin? Kaolin or white clay pipes. How do you pipes? spell that? K-A-O-L-I-N. Kaolin. Kaolin, yep. Can you, you can, get those now? Yeah, you can get reproduction pipes. Do you sell them at the museum? We do not sell them at the museum, but Colonial Williamsburg sells. They do? Yeah, they okay. sell early pipes. Reproductions. What is, you find redware. What is redware? Redware is a earthenware. It's ceramics, so very low fire and kind of coarsely made ceramic that's covered with a lead glaze and used for, you know, platters, bowls. Pretty much everything. Pretty much everything. It's ubiquitous as well. Pipes and redware. Pipes and redware. And then we have other kinds of ceramics as well, which show us a little bit of some of the wealth of the students. Now, I saw some shards of ceramic. I didn't. I couldn't tell if it was a teacup or bowls, but it looked like very fine china. And maybe that would give us an idea of what kind of lifestyle they're leading. I, I really can't tell whether they're kind of leaving, leading a kind of almost farmer-like life because there are only four buildings and it's everything's rural. There, there, there is no real city. Or is it highfalutin, pinkies, you know, pinky out, tea sipping kind of life? You know, it's kind of a bit of both. You have these four buildings in the wilderness, but two of those buildings, the old college and the Indian college, are these beautiful structures that stand out on this landscape. And then if you look at the ceramics and other artifacts we find, we have very common people who are living very plainly with redware tankards and they inscribe their initials on the bottom. But then you have some people that are using really fine ceramics. So there's a bit of both, you know, that that idea of sitting above the salt where someone's if you're high status, you have a certain place at the table. Yeah. And if you're low status, there's that whole continuum. Packing order. Yeah, at Harvard in the 17th century. All right. Do you get any sense of what, what they ate? Definitely. Okay. So we find sheep, you know, mutton, um, cow, pig. But we also know that students are looking for things to eat so they're doing some hunting which is also prohibited and at the time it's prohibited why is that they can't have a firearm in the 17th century why is that it's not part of you know at 1600s yeah in is that 1600s puritan puritan life. don't want you to have a, a firearm of course not right okay i don't know and um you know they're at a college they're there to learn to become puritan ministers all right Refined. Don't need no. Well, they'll have people that have the firearms for them. People will get you your food, but the students from very early on are revolting. They don't have the kind of food they want to have. They're complaining that there's guts in the mackerel and that there's feces in the hasty pudding. You know, you see it in the records. So they're looking to get food locally. So they're getting some wild turkeys. I mean, you still see wild turkeys in Harvard Yard. We have a couple strutting around campus. Yeah. Um, but they're getting wild turkeys, and they're eating wild turkey, and you find that in with the trash, mixed in with the other stuff. Uh, uh, let's see. Did uh, people then brush their teeth? Do you find toothbrushes? We find toothbrushes, but they're later. So the toothbrushes occur in the 18th century. What we would see as toothbrushes in the 18th century, they're carved out of bone. 
and they use horsehair bristles. So that's 1700s. 1700s. And horsehair bristles. Horsehair bristles. Mm. So it's kind of like a tooth powder um, that they would use, and then that eventually evolved into toothpaste. And um, do you have these on display at the museum? I don't think we have a toothbrush on display, but you can you find have one it on in the our back website. Room? Yes, we definitely have them in storage. If I go there, will someone yes, show I me will, a toothbrush? I will show you a toothbrush. Okay. <laughs> and what do they do about cleaning their teeth before toothbrushes? I think they're really inventive. Toothpicks. With, sure. Yeah. All right. Or maybe nothing. Whatever. It didn't occur Whatever to you them. can get on. I mean, if you look, people at, didn't live long enough to need their teeth to last that long. And I, guess. I say this to students all the time, and my. Um, collaborator on the project, Trish Capone, we say this all the time. Students were sick. Everybody in the 17th century, it's a different... Sick all the time? Yeah, they're sick all the time. If you look at the accounts, they have toothaches. They have belly aches. They're not very comfortable because, you know... It's cold. They don't have a lot of hygiene. Right. Okay. They're throwing their trash outside it's the window. It's interesting to, to learn how they lived. Yeah. Uh, clothing artifacts. Not many, but I, you found a copper button. Yeah, you know, those are some of my favorites because they tell you about what the students were wearing and the kind of clothes they had as they're walking around this. Did you did you find any textile clothing? We find very few textiles. It's not a great um, it, it soil. Yeah, yeah, it rots. There was a part of the big dig when they did excavations at the big dig. One of the sites, they found a ton of textiles from the 17th century. Wow. Yeah. And that's an amazing collection. Where's that collection? That is um, at Massachusetts Historical Society. Where's Mission, that? sorry. Um, in Boston. Okay. And some of it's on exhibit in Commonwealth Museum. And I'd like to see that. I'm wrong. Yeah, there's also a book, Joe Bagley, who's a Boston City archaeologist. Okay. Now. Yep. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Do you find any Native Americans artifacts because. Native Americans wandered that land too. They did. Um, over the years, there have been some items that have been found, but really less than five. Wow. In that particular area where we're excavating, when we excavate down to the 17th century, we get down to the 17th century and we're not finding a previous occupation and in that area. Nothing after that. Not, not in the center of Harvard Yard. Who knows if we move, you know, yeah. a couple meters over, we Before might Before that, things were probably more spaced out, and they weren't. More spaced out, or they're, they're um, occupying different areas. All right. How far do you have to dig down to start finding things? So we dig actually less than four feet. Yeah. Just less than four feet. Um, we dig down in, we use metric system in archaeology, for whatever reason, even though we're here. Um, but we dig down in little layers like 10 centimeter layers and then ultimately it's less than four feet okay and after four feet you don't see you don't find anything we're not finding anything we're hitting so four feet in harvard yard equal about how many years um 1650 okay 17 18 19 like 350 years 
Plus. Yeah. Plus. Yeah. Four feet. Yeah. That's interesting. How did this stuff get covered up? Because it's it was a school. How it did was four feet of dirt get there. <laughs> you know, we have people ask us that all the time. How do you? You know, why is everything so? Did buildings out? burn down and the the, 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 so the debris first, just got crumbled up by time? A little bit of everything. Um, by the end of the 17th century, but so by the end of the 1600s, the first four buildings are demolished. New buildings are constructed, and some of the oldest buildings on campus, like Massachusetts Hall, that was built in 1720. Okay. And so, as the older buildings are demolished kind of spreading around the dirt, spreading around the trash and the debris. And then what happens in the 19th century is the president at the time, Kirkland, he decides to beautify the yard. And so he brings in, he A just moves dirt. dirt. Well, he moves dirt around the yard or he has people move dirt around the yard. Yeah. I guess he didn't actually do it. And so we see in the stratigraphic levels, the levels of dirt, this big 19th century level of nice of dark just, yeah. loamy dirt um or a ton of sand where yeah. they're just trying to make it kind of this beautiful very flat landscape prior to that in the 17th century there was a stream running through the yard and you can see the 17th century land surface as we dig down and it's not you dig down and you can see the stream bed you can't see the stream bed, but you can see how the, the ground... Oh, well, well, that's what I mean. Yeah. Where the water would have gone because right, of the exactly. depression. And do you ever find anything from the original buildings, like sinks or plumbing? No, we find... Door handles? Um, we've had a few handles, window lead. So the lead around small window panes, nails, tons of nails, as the students would tell you, bricks... And really ubiquitous are these red clay roof tiles, which is... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, it's a really unique construction. This was... The old college building was a brick, two-and-a-half-story bricks... Or, sorry, two-and-a-half-story wooden structure built on barely any foundation and then covered with these incredibly heavy roof tiles. And so, you know, 20 years after it's built, it's in, quote, very ruinous condition. It's just falling in on its own. Quick question before we go to Kurt and Situate. The nails, what are the, are the nails like? Are they those squared-off nails squared with no, off nails no head? With, um, squared-off nails with um, small heads, often rose head, meaning it's like a pyramid shape at the top. Okay. Yeah. And the nails are all over the place, but after they sit in the ground for a long time, they become just these bulby masses. Just no. they're, uh, I, because they're all rust, just they're, yeah, exactly. Like a spongy brown color, right? So when students are starting to excavate and they're like, "What's this?" and I'm like, oh, "It's a nail," and they're like, "No, it's not." And yeah, well, did they have nails all the way back to 1650, mm-hmm. or were there wooden pegs? They had nails. Okay, can you go through uh, some of the really cool things you have there? How about the Day of the Dead? The Day of the Dead celebration. Yeah. So as I mentioned, museum has an enormous collection, um, really great about different communities all over the world. And once a year we celebrate Day of the Dead, Dios de los Muertos, um, which celebrates ancestors that have left us. And so we have an altar, permanent altar, set up in the museum, but for the month of November, we have a celebration for Day of the Dead, which includes um, music, 
family events, associated events, talks, lots of great food. Okay, so you have the Day of the Dead yep. event on the day on whatever day that is. November first no. and second. Okay, yeah. and you have an altar there that anyone can go and see. Mm-hmm. What's in the altar on the altar? Is that all? That stuff's all for real, right? Is that from Mexico? So, yeah. Dug up from uh, from digs in Mexico? Um, I don't think there are any archaeological okay. collections on there, but there are collections from the Peabody's um, vast collection of Central American material, but also contemporary offerings left by people. Then you, you have know? Digging Veritas. Digging Veritas is the exhibit on Harvard Yard and our excavations. Okay, and... Yeah. The Archaeology and History of the Indian College and Student Life mm-hmm. at Colonial Harvard. Who's who's famous with roaming around in Colonial Harvard days? Who is like, famous? Like, who is who? It's like pretty much everybody, right? Everybody. Samuel Sewell, the Mathers. Cotton okay. and Increase? No. Cotton, uh, increase, was, yep. <laughs> okay. Encounters with Americas mm-hmm. is another room, I guess. What's that? Yeah, that's looking at... Central American collections. And then we have North American Hall. We have Wheel Capiata, which looks at Lakota warrior identity and history. Um, Lakota, Lakota images of the contested West. Right, that's Wheel Capiata. I see some really cool uh, drawings stuff. or paintings. Yeah. Are those by Lakota or are they about Lakota? They're by Lakota. By and about Lakota. By and about Lakota. Are they old or are they modern? 19th century. And then we have a wow. contemporary aspect to that exhibit as well. Okay. And that was a co-curated exhibit. Legacy of the Penobscot Canoes. Right. I'm so, interested in that. So uh, a small exhibit on the first floor dealing with canoes and canoe making and canoe culture, Penobscot peoples. What was the predominant way that Penobscot made canoes. It wasn't they didn't do dugout canoes up here. So no, much. it's like Wonder why. First why were dugouts down south and dugouts are down south? You know, that's a good question. Maybe I know with um deep south it's the big trees, right? It's the big cypress trees that they're able to dug out. And you, you, oh there's uh the change in continuity hall of the North American Indians. Yep, that's our North American Hall on the first floor of the museum. Has some great collections. That's where Digging Veritas is located. I see a, a, a carving of a totem, big scary totem pole. Well, there are four totem poles in that part of the exhibit. Um, one is contemporary from Southeast Alaska, and the other three are from Canada. Beautiful right. pieces. So yes. one's contemporary, the rest are 19th century. And you have... Kalahari Perspectives, Anthropology, Photography, and the Marshall Family. Tell me about that. The Marshall Family. So that is a photograph exhibit of Kalahari peoples by the Marshalls who were going out and doing expeditions in the 20th century. So it's kind of recording who they were interacting with and their work. And I'm sure you have collections that are temporary and they come through. Mm-hmm. And what's what's there now, and what are you expecting? So we have Arts of War, which is a temporary exhibit. It's up on the third Arts floor. Arts of War? Mm-hmm. Okay. That looks at weapons and weaponry across cultures. That'll be deinstalled sometime next year. We'll have a new exhibit coming up about food and food history. And um, upcoming exhibits also on 19th century daguerreotypes. And then eventually other exhibits of photography. So 
if you if one joins this museum, then you have access to at least three other museums. Is you have access to one membership for museums. So Peabody Museum is the Archaeology Ethnology Museum. We're part of the Harvard Museums of Science and Culture. So if you get a membership to Harvard Museums of Science and Culture, you also have access to any of the museums on campus, but the, the museums that are part of HMSC, Museums of Science and Culture, which are also the Natural History Museum where the Blaschka glass flowers are. So Museum of Natural History, mm -hmm. Museum of Science. And Scientific Instruments. Scientific Instruments. And the Semitic Museum, which looks at Semitic languages and Near Eastern collections, and that's across the street from us. What else is included with an, a membership? Are there so talks you, and there's events? There's talks and events. Day of the Dead event, which I mentioned. Um, guest passes, free parking. So that's a good deal, especially if you're trying to park on Harvard's campus. And um, you also have access to any of the museums on campus. So there's also the Harvard Art Museum, which is located in the same area. All right. And <laughs> I was... I don't suppose they let you go to Harvard for free if you're a member of the museum. No, unfortunately. Okay. The Peabody's Educational <laughs> Program uh, curator talks to lecture series films. What kind of films? So we do um, ethnographic films, contemporary films, contemporary filmmakers, and commentary by those filmmakers as well. Okay. And you mentioned the art of war. Artistry and weapons across cultures offers more than 150 striking examples. There's a lot to do, a lot to see. And it's pretty cheap. I don't mean to be a huckster for this, but it's only 50 bucks, right? I mean, for an individual membership, it's $50. If you want to do a sustaining membership, that's a little bit more. What's the difference? Uh, Money-wise? Yeah, no, just... For the rest of your life. No, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and it keeps all our programs going. How did you um, get this job? So I... You certainly, you certainly deserve it. Oh, well, how thank you, you so much. How did you... How does one arrive at the spot you're at? I mean, it was a crooked path for me. You know, I started out in art school in the 1980s in Philadelphia. And then when I got out of art school, was working, looking for things to do. And I came across someone doing a dig in Fairmont Park, which is one of the older areas Where? in Philly. Fairmont Park, Philadelphia. Okay. And um, just volunteered for a dig. And that was it. I found something the first day and I thought, this is amazing. What did you find the first day? I found the first artifact I ever found was a 19th century brooch. Wow. And it was really cool. What was, what had been at the side of the dig that I there mean, were brooches that there? was, um, it was the Rittenhouse paper mill that then evolved over time to a domestic, like a bunch of houses. But I thought, wow, this is really interesting. And um, went to graduate school and then got hired at Harvard. All right. Anytime a building gets added onto or, or a new building gets built, they have to do they have to do a dig? So on campus, do you mean? No, in Boston. In Boston. If you're on public land, yes. Are there any interesting digs going on now? Um right now, because it's getting to the cold weather. Well, you know, yeah. I guess I, I would ask recently. Yes, Boston City archaeologist Joe Bagley, he is doing work all over the city. And it's always open to the public. He has a really active Instagram page. And he has a book, um, History of Boston and 50 Artifacts, which is a great book looking at Boston's history and the area's history. And you're, you have a daughter who uh, 
also is a budding archaeologist, and she I, she was I would on a like dig. To think so. She was on a dig at five, and she found something. Where was that? Well, what yeah. she find? So we were in Honduras um, at the site of Copan, Copan Ruinas. It's a Mayan site, and we a were Mayan site. Mayan site, okay. yeah. We were lucky enough to be there. She was little girl at the time. She was five years old, and we were able to excavate at the site. And she was very careful, but she came across some really cool stuff, part of a sculpture, a jaguar sculpture. And um, then after we left, the students that were there and the archaeologists that were there continued to excavate it. The way you, the picture you paint of archaeology is that everybody finds something every day. No, it's uh, totally not the case. What's the real archaeological life like? It is um, some, you know, depending on where you dig, you could be in the south with snake pants on, you know, to make but you can sure go you, a year and find nothing. You right? can go a year and find nothing. And certainly I ran a field school after I finished my PhD. All summer we found maybe one brick. One that, brick? Yeah. So <laughs> that day was an exciting day. day. Day after day, you're going out in probably the hot sun. Hot sun. Or very how, cold. How many people? Um, depends on the crew size. And the kind how, of work you're doing. How many people found only a brick? How many people were involved in, in that? In that dig? Yeah. 25 people. How long? One brick. How long? Eight weeks. <laughs> Eight weeks, hot sun, no shelter, one brick. Wow. And so during the day, what, what are you doing, actually? Are you digging with a spoon, just brushing the dirt away with a brush? I mean, here in this area of the country, you can dig with a trowel. So just like a trowel similar to what you would use in a garden, but more like what a bricklayer would use. You dig with a trowel, you dig down, we record everything, we're very systematic, and you know we're at an area where we know there's material. Do you have to uh, sift it? We do, we sift through quarter inch mesh screens. and um, Quarter inch mesh, meaning each square in the mesh is a quarter of an inch? Mm-hmm. That's pretty big. Yeah, we have smaller screens. So if we know we're in an area with very small material, yeah. What else do you tend to find around here? Around here? Yeah, in in digs. Do you find I don't, bullets from the revolution? <laughs> do you find um, we uh, have found, horseshoes? Um, yes, yes. Um, you know, in Harvard Yard, because it's been occupied since the 17th century, you find everything from 17th century pipes, like you mentioned, through, um, you know, Beer cans with pull tabs. Do you remember those from the well, 1970s? Yeah. Well, yeah. what about beer cans with no tab at all? Well, you, you you don't even know that such a thing exists. What, like Mickey's Big Mouth? No. no. Like you have to have a church key to go. And oh, yeah, I know that. It's like a can of soup. You need yeah. to have a thing to. Right. Do you find those? Yeah. Do you find ancient brands? Well. Most of the the. the Text is worn off, probably. The text is worn off. But then, you know, in the 19th century, you see all the patent medicine. Oh, Dr. So-and-so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dr. So-and-so's miracle cure for hair tonic and, you know, gout, which is pretty much all alcohol. (laughs) Well, thank you very much for coming in. Diana Lauren. Thank you so much for having me. Peabody Museum and related museums. And uh, I hope we have sparked some interest. And if you do decide to join up, You'll get access to other museums as well. Of course, Harvard and Harvard Square is easily accessible by lots of means of public transportation. Something to do. Get something to eat at Charlie's Kitchen. 
delicious. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. WBZ News Radio 1030. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.